Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. In 1963, the Supreme Court took prayer out of schools. Madeline Murray O'Hare was the atheist who complained. We're gonna interview her son, who is a Christian, William J. Murray, leader of Religious Freedom Coalition. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today we have a celebrity interview with a man who has made history as the son of the acclaimed atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare. Bill Murray was just a grade schooler when he was used almost as a pawn by this atheist movement who filed and won in the United States Supreme Court to take prayer out of schools way back in 1963. But today, that little boy is a grown man and he is a Christian. And he has given his life to correcting that injustice and to promoting real religious freedom throughout America. My guest via Skype from Washington DC today is William J. Murray, leader of the Religious Freedom Coalition. Welcome, sir, to the program. Great to be on with you, Chavis. So Bill, give us your perspective of your historic testimony. Where did it begin? You were a little boy and talk about your mom. Well, first of all, the, the general uh, accepted story is, is that my mother was a great atheist who uh, believed in separation of church and state and wanted uh, prayer out of schools because she thought it would violate the Constitution of the United States. That isn't exactly what happened. Uh, my mother was a dedicated Marxist. She was a, 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 a utopianist, but I'll go, I can go into that later, but uh, basically she was a Marxist and all Marxists are utopians. But, uh, uh, and um, she had, uh, was, had a deep involvement in uh, the Communist Party and other socialist movements. Um, in 1960, while I was in junior high school, uh, she decided that uh, she could no longer wait for the socialist revolution in the United States, the revolution of the proletariat, uh, and she attempted to defect to the Soviet Union. She took myself and my little brother, uh, I think I was a 14 at the time, and he was eight, and she took us um, to, uh, uh, to um, uh, Europe. She, she got the idea, she had applied to go to, to, for citizenship in the United States uh, at the Soviet Embassy. There's reams and reams and reams of FBI documents that I have over this. It's very interesting because at the time, uh, there was actually uh, the CIA and the FBI had built a tunnel underneath the Russian embassy in order to, to bug it in, in Washington. And um, of course, all of her conversations uh, are, had, were, were, were recorded as she attempted to defect to the Soviet Union. They told her that, they, they weren't, that she needed to stay in America and work for the revolution. Uh, she felt that if she could go to Europe and walk into a Russian embassy there, that would sh or Soviet embassy, excuse me, that would show them how dedicated she was to get there, like sort of like a Lee Harvey Oswald. But she didn't have enough money to get to, to Moscow. 
So she dragged me and my brother to Paris, France, of all places, a place where there have been numerous Islamic terror attacks, but that's a whole other issue. And uh, uh, we um, uh, walked into the Soviet embassy, and, and uh, she uh, applied once again to go to the Soviet Union. It was a little awkward because it was France, and none of the Russians at the, at the uh, embassy in France, France spoke English for obvious reasons. They were diplomatic personnel to France, not to England, not to the United States, so they spoke Russian and French. So it took a couple of days for them to uh, uh, find uh, somebody's wife, uh, uh, you know, that, that was an English teacher back in Russia and, and uh, um, you know, to figure out what my mother was doing. And, and I, I think they had to restrain themselves from laughter, but they, they told her to go back and, and work for the revolution in the United States. So uh, we went back. That's what started the actual Supreme Court decision to remove prayer from schools. Uh, we arrived back in the United States in late September. School had started. I'd missed 17 days of school, and uh, my mother had to re-enroll me, and it was in the process of re-enrolling me at Woodburn Junior High School, the name of which has now been changed to something politically correct. I, I don't know. some. I, I, I can't remember. It's no longer Woodburn. And uh, uh, the um, uh, she discovered the, the Pledge of Allegiance and the prayer and the Bible reading in the schools. And she was livid. And she was livid because her her son, and, and including me and, 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 of course, my younger brother, were going to be taught respect for the flag, patriotism. Uh, the words under God were in the flag. And we were also going to be taught uh, Judeo-Christian uh, values by uh, scripture reading and, and, and uh, by uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer. And she was livid. If anybody would go back to the very first letter, uh, um, well, first of all, she took me out of school, and and and, and I went, and it was supposed to be a strike. She was going to do a strike. I mean, the city really cared, you know. So um, uh, the city officials. So then she wrote a letter to the Baltimore Sun newspaper. Anybody that wants to find out what my mother was really about and what the school prayer case was about really just needs to read her letter to the editor in the Baltimore Sun newspaper and then her interview. They never printed the letter. Instead of that, they sent out photographers, wrote down everything she had to say, took our photographs. And... Um, uh, basically, how livid she was against the Pledge of Allegiance, how the the, the and, and I mean, really, the, the prayer and the Bible reading. I think that had to do with her personal life. Uh, she uh, um, had some difficulties with uh, with God's word and and uh, living a, a moral life. To to be to be very honest about it. Now I'm going to so interrupt that, for that a second. That is how the prayer case actually began. Well, that's what I was going to say. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the legal filings and how this eventually went to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending religious liberty? I know you do. And that's why I'm asking you to take action today. Don't just sit there, but do something. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and sign a petition that we'll fax to Congress on your behalf. In fact, there are three specific petitions I want you to sign to defend military chaplains who are under fire. The first is to support H.R. 343. This is a bill introduced in Congress by my friend, Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, 
to protect free speech for military chaplains who are sometimes punished if they use the word Jesus in their prayers. Well, if you know my story, you know that I was punished in 2006, uh, even at court martial, because I used the word Jesus in my prayers in uniform in front of the White House. Well, I was later vindicated by Congress who said it's okay for me to do that. But did you know 65 other chaplains are now suing the Navy? I was not the only person. Our second petition I want you to sign is to protect military chapel buildings, which are being desecrated. Christian altars, Catholic or Protestant, are being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies in all 50 states under this order by the Obama administration. Well, that deprives all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines of a sacred worship space, which ought to be protected. And instead, they're gonna punish the chaplain if he won't turn over the keys to his chapel. Here's another petition I want you to sign, and this is to stop threatening court-martial for troops who talk about Jesus. Even recently, the Pentagon is saying, oh, we're gonna threaten you with a crime of proselytizing. No, that's not right. Any soldier ought to be able to talk about his or her faith in Jesus Christ and to have that same religious freedom of speech that we sacrifice to give for others. When you sign these petitions, we will fax them to Congress, and it's free. I want you to take action today. Sign these three important petitions at PrayInJesusName.org. Go there today. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm joined again by Bill Murray from Washington, D.C. via Skype. Your website, sir, is religiousfreedomcoalition.org. And you must have a couple of books there or your own testimony. Where can people find those resources? Well, most of those, uh, many the books that I have that are still in print are at Amazon.com. Uh, My Life Without God is uh, the, the kind of official testimony book. Uh, the Pledge, One Nation Under God, is is still in uh, uh, print and available through Amazon. There are a couple out of print that are available, uh, one that we put up on Kindle called The Church is Not for Perfect People. And then there is my brand new book that, that uh, may or may not be out at the time of this show. It's hard to tell, It'll be, be, but it's called uh, uh, Utopian Road to Hell. Uh, which uh, really details the entire concept of uh, utopianism in, in, in the world and, and the, the um, hundreds of millions of people that literally have lost their lives and been enslaved um, uh, were tortured uh, in the name of creating a, a perfect order uh, on earth and, and recreating God's heaven on earth, whether it was Marxist or whether it was uh, um, uh, whether whether it was uh, uh, fascist, uh, and in some cases somewhere in between, we we even had uh, uh, the original uh, Jamestown colony was uh, utopianist here in the United States uh, that before there was the United States. So and before course, the break, you, you talked about your mom was a Marxist and she was searching for utopia, tried to take you to France, but was sent back home. And here in, I assume you're well, in Baltimore. tried to take us to the Soviet Union and went got as far as France. So she wanted to go to that alleged u- utopia. How did the lawsuits get filed here in America? Well, you know, my mother may have been a Marxist, but money is money. 
And uh, when the story went out from the Baltimore Sun and was picked up by all kind of other newspapers, the story was carried all over the United States of this woman who wanted prayer out of schools. Everybody in the country that hated the country and hated God started to send her money. Uh, we used to literally get sacks of mail at, at our house, um, and wow. they'd just be uh, addressed to the atheist, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and uh, we... <laughs> We started to get, uh, I mean, there were $100 bills in these things. There were checks in them made out to her. And she had been poverty-stricken and unable to hold down a job because of her views most of her life. Um, she had a, 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 a personality that, that would conflict with anybody. And, and when she was hired for, the only job she had for a full year was with the federal government her entire life. Um, wow. So that 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 gives you some 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 idea, and it also led to her Marxism, that inability to hold down a, a job. Um, so the ACLU came to her and said, "Well, we'll file this lawsuit. Sign here." Now she had a law degree, but she never was able to pass the bar. And the ACL um, um, uh, agreement was very simple: we get to use your name, your image, your son's name. We file a lawsuit. We get to keep all the money. And my mother looked at all this money coming in through the front door, and she looked at this agreement that the ACLU signed that said, we'll take this case and, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll get prayer out of schools, but we get to keep all the money. Now, my mother might have been a Marxist, but she wasn't dumb. <laughs> and um, she said, well, I've got a better idea. I'll file the lawsuit and I'll keep the money. And wow. uh, that, that basically is how the lawsuit uh, uh, began. Amazing. So she sued in a federal district court there in Baltimore. No, actually, or? actually, it was in a in a Maryland district court. It went all the way up to uh, the Maryland Supreme Court in in 1962. The Maryland Supreme Court um, uh, um, uh, uh, said that the, the the prayer was constitutional under the Maryland Supreme Court, and then she appealed it to the Supreme Court. She did have an attorney by this time working for her that was actually filing the briefs, but she was uh, uh, writing the brief. So I'll, I'll give her that much. Meanwhile, there was a New York case that was uh, decided by the Supreme Court in 1962 that ended mandatory state-authored prayer. And that was a case in which uh, the state of New York had actually written a prayer that they thought was um, uh, uh, interdenominational and that would be acceptable to everybody, including Jews, that they required all students to, um, uh, to, to recite. The, con the Supreme Court, probably rightfully so, said that the, 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 the state of New York or nobody could write a prayer, no government could write a prayer and require everybody to uh, recite it. Uh, uh, my mother's case got to the Supreme Court in 63, and they expanded the 62 decision basically to cover uh, any type of prayer, uh, even if it was voluntary. And the case was Murray versus Coulette. Who, who did she sue? Uh, she sued Curlette, uh, who I can't remember his first name, but he was the head of the school board at the time. And that's interesting. So what was the outcome? Was it a close decision? And what happened oh, no, after no, the Supreme it, Court? It was, it was eight to one. It, it was um, uh, the Supreme Court at that time. It was an Earl Warren court. Um, that was probably one of the most liberal Supreme Courts that, that had ever existed. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, we, we have a legacy from the, the Warren court that, that, that includes much of what's wrong with society today. Well, 
After that, I suppose prayer was taken out of many schools. What was the repercussions across the country? Well, that's that's an interesting question. You know, I, I get a lot of people that say um, they remember the 60s and 70s differently than I do. And, and it's, well, the prayer was taken out of the school and, uh, and the country went to hell in a, in a handbasket. And, uh, uh, you know, Haight-Ashbury didn't have anything to do with prayer being taken out of the schools. Woodstock didn't. Uh, the reality is, is that in the 1960s, the, the, the nation had entered a period of, uh, of, of, of spoiled baby boomers that, that were self-centered and arrogant and dope-smoking, LSD-taking, um, um, hippie, long-haired hippie, uh, uh, sexual revolution. Uh, I mean, the, 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 my, my, the case to remove prayer was going on in the background of, of uh, the country, country socially um, uh, falling apart anyway. Uh, we had uh, violence in the streets. We had, uh, um, you know, uh, the Black Liberation Mar Army. You had the, the Hearst kidnapping. Um, you had um, uh, cops being gunned down in the street by, by Marxist thugs. Uh, the Black Panthers. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And and people can remember the 1960s as being, uh, you know, just an ideal mom and pop society all they want. But the country was actually in a total state of turmoil. And I, rather than my mother causing this, uh, I think that she was she, she was merely one of the symptoms of what was happening in the nation at that time. Interesting. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Bill. How did he come to Jesus Christ? And why does he now lead a national Christian ministry to reverse all of that counterculture? We'll be right back. Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Do you ever wonder how to discern your own thoughts from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit or angels or invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps, and you've seen us talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. In fact, I wrote my PhD dissertation, How to See the Holy Spirit, Angels and Demons. But now, we have an exciting 17-part video Bible study on a four-disc DVD set that you can get for your small group or your church. If you just visit PrayInJesusName.org and offer a suggested donation of $99. Or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God. Get this 17-part video series, and for a limited time only, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Get this important Bible study series for you and your church. Or call us at 866-Obey-God right now. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to a real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Want your voice heard by multiple congressmen? At FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today 
at faxcongress.com. Faxcongress.com. Stay tuned for the end of our show to learn how to partner with this ministry. Here's Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. One last segment with Bill Murray. Bill, mention this new book that you're writing, and when do you expect it'll be released? It is Utopian Road to Hell, and it should be released uh, in March of 2016. I don't know exactly uh, a when, which is why I'm hesitant to say whether it's out or not, but it's scheduled for March 2016 uh, release. And it details uh, much of what we're talking about, and it gives a, um, a really a, an expose of what the real problem is. And the real problem is not Marxism, it's not fascism, it's, it is the overall concept by individuals that they think they're smarter than God, and that they can create a, a heaven on earth, a utopia, and all they have to do to create that is to control everybody and, and uh, decide what they work, how they work, where they work, um, um, how much they eat, you know, I mean, just absolutely control their, their lives in order to, to create this utopia for them. Um, and uh, when we, we see this beginning with Plato, we understand that this utopian disease, which and how many uh, uh, hundreds of millions of lives it has taken and how many lives it has destroyed. Bill, when did you realize that you personally were not smarter than God and give your life to Jesus Christ? Well, I'm going to I'm going to do this briefly because I know we don't don't have that much time. But uh, when I got out of uh, that home, uh, the first thing that happened to me is, unlike my mother, I was able to hold down a job and I was able to do well. Uh, I was an airline manager. I made a lot of, of, of money and um, a lot of money came out of my paycheck. I was still an atheist, but I started to get conservative very, very rapidly when I realized how much money was being taken from me. And uh, uh, to, to shorten this up, I wound up being a, a radical uh, libertarian. I mean, not, not where uh, Ron Paul is, but I mean further to that. I was one of the, the Anne Randian uh, libertarians that, that uh, thought, yeah, look, if, uh, if, if people are starving, they just need to starve to death because obviously they're, they, you know, it, it's survival of the fittest. And I'm the fittest. I make a good income. I take care of myself. And I should take care of me. I should keep my money. And everybody that can't take care of themselves should just die. Um, uh, that kind of attitude and that the kind of nihilism and, and self-centeredness that goes with it is self-destructive because it leads you into behavior that is is self-destructive, which it, it did with me. And it was ultimately that that self-destructive behavior that caused me to uh, uh, come to a relationship with Jesus Christ when I saw that uh, I was going to wind up being one of those poor people from the, the way I was acting with uh, with drinking with uh, all kind of other, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, behavior that was uh, was immoral in nature, uh, because I didn't think that anything mattered except, uh, uh, you know, food, f food, booze, and sex, um, and that uh, 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 that kind of a lifestyle is destructive, and it nearly destroyed me. But fortunately, you know, when when I was uh, at the pits of my despair, Jesus Christ found me there and lifted me up out of that. How did that happen? Did you go to a Bible study or a church, or how, did you hear no, the gospel? No, no, it actually didn't. It it, it more complicated than that. I I actually. Uh 
it was actually because of a, of a book by a Roman Catholic lady that had absolutely not that much to do. It was called Dear and Glorious Physician. It was about the uh, the life of, of Luke. And at the time, I liked to read uh, historical novels, particularly about Rome. And I read this novel. Um, and uh, without realizing that that it really contained the gospel, uh, that it uh, uh, you know it went through uh, fictionally the entire life of Luke, which exposed me to Paul and which exposed me to uh, to the Bible. And the end of that book, this lady, uh, um, uh, her name was Taylor Caldwell. Actually, she put in there that if you want the rest of the story about Luke, you can find that in uh, the Book of Luke in the Holy Bible. And that uh, uh, I, I wound up having the whole background, but not the, the the core truth. And that bothered me for I don't know weeks or months uh, until literally I got up in the middle of the night one night with with nightmares and uh, uh, you know saying that my my only solution was to find the rest of this story and I literally went out in the middle of the night and bought a Bible and uh, uh, read the uh, 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 read uh, uh, read Luke and then went back and and read the other Gospels and it, and it was there in the Word of God uh, that I found the truth about uh, Jesus Christ and that 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 he was the freedom that I, I thought I had which I didn't have that that freedom only came through him well, that is a wonderful story. Talk about Religious Freedom Coalition. How did your vision for this ministry develop and what is your organization? Well, the Religious Freedom Coalition, I, I was originally working, of course, we work domestically. We are, have an advocacy office in Washington, D.C., working for a religious freedom, working for, for the traditional values. But I originally uh, was working within the Soviet Union because my mother attempted to defect there. And uh, I went to the Soviet Union in order to see what that was like, where I almost lived. I talked to many pastors. I got involved with the religious community there. And I actually formed a Bible publishing company in Minsk back while it was still the Soviet Union. I did a tremendous amount of work there, tremendous amount of church building, actually chartered wide-bodied jets in order to take people over there to, to uh, uh, witness for the Lord during um, Glasnost. I uh, had an office in Moscow, actually on 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 Red Square. I was there for the uh, um, the the coup against Gorbachev. I was there for the attack on on the White House. Um, and uh, an interesting thing happened. I got in an argument with an old communist, and he said, "You are going to regret the day that the Soviet Union falls. All of the West will, because we have our thumb on on the the stands on." On, 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 on the Muslims. We, we force them to be secularized. If our thumb comes off of them, the West will regret it for a hundred years. Isn't that interesting? And, and uh, now we just have about a minute left. You are ministering not just in Washington, D.C. I see you on the steps of Capitol Hill countless times. You're lobbying congressmen, but you're also traveling throughout the Middle East. You're promoting the gospel, undoing basically the legacy that your mother stood for, now God has risen you up and, and taken you as a standard to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I'll give you the final word. Well, I try to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ the best I can. And when, when I did what I could do in Russia and that became a Christian nation, I moved to, to where the persecution was even worse against Christians and, and that was the Middle East. And I just ask everybody, everyone, everywhere, to pray for the Christians of the Middle East. They need our help, they, they need our prayers, and they need our material help. 
Our guest has been William Murray, his website, religiousfreedomcoalition.org. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org or call us toll free at 866-ObeyGod. We'll see you next time. Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-ObeyGod. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.